0: All right. Jesus, we just thank you for this amazing opportunity we have this morning to gather together to be, oh man, inspired by uh, your story through Scripture, your story lived out through each of our lives. We just ask that through today's uh, reflection, through its discussion, through our times of prayer circles together, that each of us find ourselves feeling closer to one another and closer to you. Also, our prayer during this Lenten season is that we would connect to your heartbeat for those who are lost or poor or disenfranchised, those who you love so much on the fringes, that through uh, talking we just find that heartbeat, find our place in that, where we can be your hands and feet even more. In Jesus' name, amen. Um. No music today. We'll have uh, teaching, discussion, communion as normal, uh, our prayer circles. Uh, it is the first Sunday of uh, the Lenten season. At Bloom, we, we choose to celebrate this to uh, orient ourselves to uh, what Jesus suffered for, who he suffered for, why. To uh, We're a church on grace, and so it's our position the god 's love for us is because of what he 's done he 's been pursuing us and chasing us it 's not our performance, and so uh, but there are we 're invited to be his hands and feet we 're invited to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth around us there 's this invitation, this heartbeat you see through scriptures of bringing a piece of heaven to those who are around us and that 's what we 're going to explore these next several weeks if you 're new to any sort of Lenten practice or how we're doing it, the podcast is online from last Sunday where we kind of dialogued how we're going to go about it. But today I want to talk about uh, embodying divine as kind of our kickoff. And I want to share a Buddhist parable to begin. There is a woman in India who um, uh, finds these teachings, these scriptures, and she wants to bring them to the kids in the village and the people in the village, but they're, they're in a different language. They need to be translated. And so she gets this passion on the inside of her, and she wants to translate these scriptures so that other people can share in these divine stories and this message. And so she starts saving her money. She's working and saving her money and putting it aside. And it takes like 10 years. She saves up enough money finally, and she's going to buy a printing press, and get the help she needs to translate these and make copies of the scripture to hand out to people. And all of a sudden, a famine hits the town she's in. And people are hungry and starving and there's trouble. And instantly, she just uses all her money to take care of the kids, the people, the widows in the town. There's just too much need. And so she uses every dime she saved up in just helping this happen. But she does it without... Remorse, just it's what needed to be done. What can you do when a famine hits the land? And so she helps. And after it's all done and after this famine is over and things go back to normal, she gets this, this passion on the inside of her again to be like, man, I'm, gonna, I, I, I'm going back to my first love that I feel like I need to translate the scriptures. And so she starts saving again. And again, it's about 10 years of saving the money. And right again when she's got just enough to begin something terrible hits the land she uses the money again every last time to feed people to house people to help out with what's going on uh she just enters into this time she's got what she has the means and so she uses it to help people out and again afterwards right again her heart beats like man i'm she doesn't feel bad that where she used the money but she's she's now again saving but now she's getting older and so she's saving and saving and she comes to the end of her life And she's got just enough money, and so she buys the printing press, and she gets the help she needs, and she translates these scriptures that her whole life she's been passionate about and wanted to give to the town. And so they're able to hand out these copies of the scriptures to the kids and the people that just were most important to her. And then she passes away, and after she's gone, the people talk about her, that she was so passionate about translating these scriptures, that she did it three times in her life, and the first two times were the most meaningful and important to everyone. That it was the living it out. It was the action of actually becoming those scriptures, those verses, those things that inspired her to the people around her that were that meant the most to everyone and made an impact. Um, I I hear so many times people, uh, and it's not you guys. Usually, it's friends in my life. Uh, I don't know. It's it's not even midlife crisis because it's it's always happened. Uh, There's someone who comes to you, uh, and especially in the eight or nine years I've been a minister now, they're they're like, I I feel this, like, something on the inside of this calling, this, like, I need to, there's something divine that wants to come out. Do you think I should become a minister? Like, maybe I should go to school for this, and you're like, "Er!" like, I actually think that is not what you should do, just because you feel something, like, there's... There's embodying this and then there's something else. Like if you really don't, if that's not what's screaming what's most. And there have been people I've met that like, yeah, there must be something there. But you can tell when it's not. You can tell when it's just like you see a need around you and want to meet that need. It's, it's not just become some holy prophet or a missionary. Or a, when scriptures talk about embodying the divine, it actually talks about the best way to do that is in our everyday life and the way that we interact with people. It's your neighbors, it's your coworkers. it's your loved ones. It's, they need to see divine through your hands and feet, through your eyes. They need to experience your touch to do it. Not a minister whose life seems foreign and separated and something else altogether. We see Jesus in the New Testament as this example of, of human flesh embodying the divine, and being an example for us. And Colossians tells us that, that he was the fullness of all deity, of all God, was, was in fullness in Jesus. But then he calls us and goes after that, and so he tells us that we're his representatives now, that we're his hands and feet. It's better that he goes because he sends his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of divine, to live on the inside of us, and not just live on the inside of us, to be fused to our spirit, to becoming one human Fragile, simple, connecting with divine love, power, light. Kenan's belly is making noise, just ignore him. if you. Uh. Ephesians 5, Paul is writing and he tells us to imitate God and to follow him like adored children and to live in love as the anointed one has loved you. And then he goes on in verse 15 and 16 and says, be careful how you live. Be mindful of yourself. Don't just run around like idiots like the rest of the world does. And said, walk as the wise. Make the most of every living and breathing moment. Um, He says we're supposed to take a look at our lives and, and, and there should be meaning to it. There should be purpose. There should be something more. Again, this is an invitation. This isn't a new have to, a new set of laws. This is the law of love. This is something that pulses through the inside of all of us. This is that thing that rises up that says, "I should do something about this. How does that look? How does that feel? This is what Paul's talking about. I love how he doesn't mince words, don't run around like idiots like the rest of the world does. You'll see him talk about. It, it shouldn't just be your affairs. Let's extend our eyes to someone beyond us. And so today I want to talk about how do we really embody Jesus? How do we embody God, divine, this spirit of love that connects us all? How do we embody the scriptures? that we talk about on Sundays, that we love. How do we live that out and have it become us? How do we become like that lady in the opening parable where it's not the book we gave someone, but it's how we lived our life. It was that, that representation of actually being these things instead of just doing it. The possibilities are endless when we're talking about how this looks. And so this is what's unique. I can't tell you exactly how to do this or how to live this out in your life. You just have to pay attention. You have to listen, that still small voice on the inside, that gut reaction, that stirring towards something. We need to tune into that this morning to see what's there, where we're going with this, what we can help. I want to look at a few possibilities today, but I want to look at the scriptures as well. Um, Because we can talk about it all we want to. But if we don't decide to practice this, if maybe even the Lenten season isn't a season that we decide to like, put a fire to this, to actually stoke something, to, to take a few steps towards something stirring on the inside of you, then why not? Like, this, is, this is the season to try. Um, because it's just fake action. Does it really matter if we're just going to dialogue about Sundays, but then we go about our week and we don't care about our neighbor or the person who's hungry around us or something else? James tells us that faith without works is dead. And the way the voice translation even says this, it says that removing action from faith is like removing breath from a body. All you have left is a corpse. And how many times have I heard the Christian church referred to as like this corpse, this dead body that just doesn't have life left in it anymore. There's not this breath of something going on. What is it a life where we're just stirring ourselves up in excitement or is it a life that comes from being the hands and feet of Jesus to meeting the needs of those around us to going beyond more than this? I mean, he gives us metaphors like we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth, salt on a dish draws out the flavors. Something that, that may seem bland actually has got a lot of flavor and the salt just intensifies it. It shows that there's something else already there, something already going on, that God is already among us. Not that you're bringing him there, but we're showing people where he already is and we're helping them pay attention to that voice that's already there. Last week, when we were introing um, this, we talked about this, there's a passage in Matthew where Jesus tells a parable about... um, this uh master coming before servants the sheep and the goats and as part of it he says to them he says whenever you saw me hungry whenever you saw me that i needed a coat or saw me thirsty or any of these things you took care of that And the people answered when did we ever take care of you jesus Because Jesus is, I mean, it's a parable, but he says, whenever you saw someone in need, whenever you saw a child that was thirsty, whenever you saw someone who needed a coat and you took care of them, all these things you're doing unto me. And there was another group who said to him, like, we prophesied, we did all these things in your name. It looked super, uber spiritual. And he's like, yeah, but you you never gave me a coat when you saw me cold. You never gave me water. And they're like, well, when did we ever see you that way? And he's like, whenever you saw your neighbor in need and you didn't do something about it, it was like you left me on the floor. He's like, Do you even know who I am? I want to read some verses starting even in the Old Testament, because sometimes we uh, rule them out as like, is there is there still this grace? Is there still this mercy? Is there still this love passing through these scriptures? Starting in Isaiah 5810, he says, if you make sure that the hungry and the oppressed have all that they need, then your light will shine in the darkness, and even your bleakest moments will be as bright as a clear day. And this one's my favorite one I'm going to share today. I've somehow never read this verse in Leviticus before, but it just jumped out at me. It says, actually before I even read it, you know how Jesus says parables sometimes and he's like, wouldn't all of you go find that sheep that was lost? And today we might be like, oh yeah, if I had a sheep I'd lose it, but in actuality, the people he was speaking to, they didn't hang out with the sheep because they were dirty. And they'd be like, no, we would never do that. Or if he says to him another parable, if you lost a coin, wouldn't you search the whole house and find it? And they're like, for a coin? No, I wouldn't be turning my house over. And then he says a parable of a lost son. And he says, if, you lost, if your son leaves you, takes your inheritance, like goes off and just lives a ruckus life, wouldn't you love him and just take him back? And they'd be like, no, this is not how we live. Yet there's truth in this where you're like, maybe, maybe we should. And, and today we see that, but we, are, we don't have the mindset that they have. This is the complete opposite, where they have some mindset into what's going on, and it jarred me, the difference. Leviticus 25, 35, it says, If any of you, or if any of your fellow countrymen become poor and are unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would a foreigner and a stranger so that they could continue to live among you. And I'm like, this is the, this is the atmosphere they lived in. They're like, oh, we would take care of the stranger and the foreigner. Why would I not take care of my neighbor the same way? And to me, it's like, whoa. Well, it seems like the the, the the era we live in now, it's the take care of your countrymen first and maybe if there's bread left, we can, we can think about if we want to give it to the foreigner. And this is completely the opposite to this people group and this inspiration that's coming here. And I'm like, well, where am I in this? Like, I'm not even on the same ground level that this verse is trying to inspire me from. John tells us if a person owns the kind of things we need to make it in the world, but refuses to share those with those in need, is it even possible that the love of God is inside of him? He says, my little children, don't just talk about love as it's an idea or a theory or something that excites us on a Sunday morning. Make it your true way of life and live in a pattern of gracious love. And then the last one I want to share... Before dialing into this a little bit more, is James one twenty seven? He says, "Real, true religion from God, the Father's perspective, it's about caring for the orphans and the widows who suffer needlessly and resisting the evil influence in the world." We see, and these are just like it, It's hard for me to pare it down to even these four I share. There's so many verses that just keep reminding us of God's interest, His heartbeat, His passion for those who have less than us and how it's our job to take care of that. John even goes on to say, if you've got two coats, two coats, give away one to someone who has need. Not if you have a closet full of coats, and all of a sudden one doesn't fit anymore, and you need to make a little extra room. Let's give that coat away, because you were going to throw it away, because it didn't fit in your closet anyway. It's, there's a different... There's a difference here that's talking about This isn't a forced, like, oh, shoot, how am I do this and go through my week? This is an invitation in, and an invitation that really only works if you feel the stirring on the inside and decide to follow it. And so we're going to give some ideas. We're going to go through a lot of things, some ideas of where to make this look in your life, and we're looking for that spark. Where is my chance to look at this next? Where is that rumbling? Where is that divine whisper that says, this is the thing to go after next? And for us, in this Lenten practice, that might be, we're going to talk about, Whether it's researching into one of these things to find out what you can do, giving towards it actual dollar amounts towards someone in need or an organization, maybe helping what's stirring in your heart, or volunteering during this time, actually using this season as a time to tap into these more and not just talk about them, not just being like, I'm passionate about this, or not just using your vote as a scapegoat because this is what hurts me the most about christianity is i hear people say like oh i'm so passionate about this issue or this issue or this issue i always vote that way but then they never do anything beyond the vote oh well i i voted for this why didn't now this isn't political i'm not saying vote for something or not we're a, but but i'm but i am challenging us to not use uh, to not scapegoat yourself out of these passions so that you're not doing it on your own you care about things, you're going to take care of it. You're not just going to wish the government would do it, and if it doesn't, if there's someone in there that you don't like, then we're like, oh, well, I voted it this way, and I was hoping this would happen. It, 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 the Scriptures tell us to do these things. He says, give Caesar what Caesar's, but, but the needs around us, if you see someone in need, don't call and ask the government to take care of them. You, you take care of them. I think we pray away these problems a lot of times. Oh, there's someone who needs Jesus. Please send them something. They need help. Well, if you side, like, is that not the tap you need? What else do you need to be like, you're supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let's do this. I get a little mean about this. So, again, this is, this is an invitation from a graceful, loving God. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um. That's what Lenten season is so great about. Is it it's, We're supposed to challenge ourselves a little bit more to tap into something beyond. We can sing kumbaya, we can be stirred by love for a ton of the year, but there's a season in our calendar where we decided to dive in and challenge ourselves to look at those that Jesus suffered for in a different light and say, what am I supposed to do about this? How do I tap into this? Um if we 're just hoping that someone else will do it, even an organization that we give money to like i 'm just hoping that they 'll do it or the government will do it the way I 've voted, it, it is reverse thinking than what the scriptures show us it 's not build up the government and that will i don 't know another word trickle down into sorry into everything else I know. It's, 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 it's this opposite. The scriptures talk about you. Focus on you. What can you do for your neighbor? That's going to inspire your neighborhood to look differently. That's going to inspire your church community to look differently. All of a sudden, your city looks different because you decided to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And all of a sudden, that trickles up to being like, there's enough people who find passion and inspiration because of your action that was inspired through God that all of a sudden, now more people are talking about this and doing something about this. Instead of just being like, well, it would happen if only this. That wishful thinking, that BS is we're supposed to be on the ground, loving, touching, helping, buying meals, doing these things, and not just praying it away, not saying don't pray, or voting it away. And I'm not saying don't vote because there's even passages like Proverbs where it says, speak out on behalf of those who have no voice. Defend all those who have been passed over. Open your mouth, judge fairly, stand up for the rights of the afflicted and the poor. Although I might add on to this when I'm saying don't, I'm not saying don't vote, there's a lot of scripture verses that are saying, maybe your vote isn't about you, though, as well. Just your needs, just making sure these are the things I like, these are the things I'm passionate about. Maybe, maybe it is, again, extending our gaze beyond that. But again, this isn't about that. We're talking about action in everyday life here. And so, do I have a slide on this? I don't even know. Um, I'm going to list a few things that are passionate to me. This foreigners, this sojourners, you'll see the word used, um, in our land, it is all over the scriptures. And it's, it's, I'll even use the word plagued me the last two years because I keep running across this, this over and over and over again and didn't realize how much this is used and where am I doing this and how am I uh, getting involved in, in finding a passion for welcoming people. people. I met this guy... Um, Ahmad was my Lyft driver a couple weeks ago and we had the most fantastic conversation in the car uh, about where he was from and how long he's been here and his favorite restaurant in the Twin Cities that sells uh, food from his country and his favorite dish in that restaurant. And I'm like, if I go in and say, Ahmad, the Lyft driver sent me here, are they going to know you? He's like, he will know me. He will take care of you. And you're like, all right, let's do this. I was asking about his mom and what her favorite dish was. And there was an atmosphere in the car when I left. And there's times I get in the car and I'm just like, just let me put my headphones on and don't talk to me. I just want to get to work or wherever I'm going, and this is about me. And th- there's moments that you need that. I, I can't give every moment. But I try to be like, okay, is there something here? Is there a way to welcome? Is there a way to do something uh, and take an opportunity? The next is taking care of the poor. Like it's um, uh, if the summertime... I really should do it all year because it seems to be whenever, but when it hits springtime, I've always got a box of bars and waters and things in the car because whenever I see someone, I want to be able to give something. I never I never give money, but I promised myself I would never deny a meal if I saw someone who had the means to, and so there's even times where I asked what they wanted from Subway and drove to Subway and came back with it, or if someone sees me on the street and asks for money, like I'm... I'll actually walk on the bus and put the money on for you or I'll buy you a meal if you're hungry right now. Like, Let's get you food from somewhere. Um, but it's, it's again taking seriously that maybe this person has been brought across my path on purpose this morning. Maybe there's something more to this interaction than just me or I'm in a hurry or I need to get somewhere. Maybe there's an opportunity to love and extend something more. And if we all took that opportunity to extend and to love and to talk about these things, what would it look like Um, uh, helping uh, pregnant women. I think there is um, this is one that seems to hurt me the most about Christianity is we'll give money or we'll give a vote to uh, pro-life movements but there's never you never went out to these organizations that are helping unwed mothers or people that are, are, are struggling or wanting to adopt their kids. We'll adopt babies, but if a kid is over three years old, the chance, it goes to less than like a 98% chance that they'll ever get adopted because it's, again, it's just about us. It's not about taking care of kids who are in need. And if this is really something we're passionate about, why are we not, again, doing something on the ground with our hands and feet and not just. It just looks so cold and brash because it is cold and brash. If our actions are not out of love and it's not willing to be like, I'm willing to do this, then what are we in this for? I almost think anything you're willing to vote for, if you wouldn't take that situation into your house and do something about it, I don't think you can say that you're passionate about that. And it's something you can uh, even put a bumper sticker on or whatever the heck you want to go. We're, if there's something in you, if that heartbeat is there, if there's something that you are passionate about, then do something about it. Let's get out there and be the hands and feet of Jesus. This is why, this is where we see the gospel come alive. It's not in church services, it's not inviting someone here, it's in our actions outside of here. This is where Jesus is realized, this is where the world has changed, this is where the actual kingdom of heaven lives and dwells among us and come, can come and be participated by those around us. We're entering into something bigger, something more powerful, something divine that's already stirring and working in our midst. Genesis tells us that we're to steward the planet and take care of it. And we see in this original poem, Adam and Eve are naming the animals and trees and things. And then later, it's, it's like we're willing to just not care anymore, that this isn't a place of divine beauty that we that we're called to take care of that we're called to find important sometimes it's not the kingdom of heaven among us we live for this kingdom of heaven that's far away and it seems so hurtful to someone who's here and now like oh, you care more about this place than your home that you live right now. And it's, it's starting to see that heaven is already here, the divine is already here, That's not just this waiting for this homecoming, it's bringing that home here among us. It may start on Sundays as we dialogue and we talk about how this is hard or how we live this out, or we can laugh together and cry together and we can hold hands as we go and serve somewhere. Um, was it this last week that, that uh, we served at the... Sheridan story, or was that the previous week? Yeah. Uh, Liz and Allie and I went to do meals uh, to bag them up for, um, for families in need in the Twin Cities. Uh, the Sheridan story takes care of 150 schools now in the Twin Cities area, bringing food to kids on the weekend. We sponsor Ramsey here, and we bring food for up to 35 families. Every Friday morning I'm here with bags going into lockers, getting stuff ready for the kids. It has rocked my world the beginning of it it was i wanted to tap into the school and get it done and it was finding volunteers and pretty soon i was like i like this i don't need volunteers if someone wants to join me they can find me and i just gave up on finding volunteers from you guys and just like i'm just doing this every week i love being here if i came and forgot to i forgot the school was closed on a friday and i show up and it's empty and we're like no i miss out on this opportunity to say hey i know the name of the hall monitor I the nurse waves to me every single time I go by. You're part of something more. You feel that divine energy in what's going on. It's eleven o'clock, if you guys didn't know. Uh, the elderly is another thing that scripture talks a lot about that like visiting we're so bad at visiting our own grandparents, and then it's going beyond that to the nursing home that's closest to us. Do you even know the name of the nursing home that is walking distance from your house because I imagine that there is one. Have you ever thought of going there? We had several people and still do have a few people that will bring their dogs into, into places like this and just walk around loving on people just because they need that little extra someone cares, someone special, someone's taking care of them. This isn't something that we all need to take care of. All of these, but which one is standing out to you? Which one jumps to be like, oh, maybe, maybe I could try that on these weeks leading up to Easter. Maybe that's the thing that I want to do, that I have passion about. If we're really going to get into this, it's not, we can't tackle all this overnight. Again, all this is not being depressed because we're not doing it. If we're listening this morning and something's standing out to us, it just means like this is the moment to decide, to make a 1% change in your life, to steer your ship a little to the left then. But which one is it today? What stands out the most to you? Which can you research read articles on, find out what's going on, and then start to do something about it. Where can you volunteer? Where can you give? Where can you put meat to this so we can have some conversations in the weeks ahead of us and be like, ooh, that's interesting. That's hard. That was difficult. That's, it's dirty. It's not easy. But we'll find there's something more here. There's something you tap into that's bigger than us and bigger than... Um, Church in a box on a Sunday morning. It's being Jesus outside of here. It's you embodying the divine. We're called priests, all of us, but it's not priests that will preach to people. It's priests who will actually give food when someone's in need and take care of them. We don't see Jesus pulling people back to uh, the synagogue all the time. We see him hugging people. We see him sharing a meal with them, giving food because he was sad that they were hungry. We see him loving on them, taking care of needs, healing when they needed it, but it was tangible, everyday stuff wherever he was at. Um, I love this story of uh, Jesus is in a crowd and they're pulling him along and he's got to get somewhere. I think he's got to heal someone. I can't remember exactly what it is. In the distance, he sees this widow who's leaving uh, like a service or something in mourning because her only son has passed. And they're ushering him off and Jesus, we need to get to this place to heal someone. And he pauses and he's like, no, this lady needs love and attention stops everything for one widow who's just lost her son and so no matter where we're at it's there's this this constant reminder that every single person every single body every person on this planet not just those who say they're followers of jesus he loves every single one as children, as part of him, as part of this. And so to gain his eyes, to gain his perspective is to start seeing everyone as insiders and important and precious. And then what can I do about that? How do I bring even a little bit more of love into this? Or maybe even how do I learn from them and see where they're already embodying this? This is such an important thing as we walk through this as a community because this really is us being sent from here, stirred up, yes, Uh, empowered, getting inspiration, but then actually taking this into our week. Using it, going for it, uh, loving your cubicle partner more than you thought you did. Even the one who's always trying to get credit, maybe you just start giving them more credit for everything. Even if you did 90% of the work and they were 10 and you're pissed that they always are like, I did it, be like, it was all them next time. Just see what happens. Don't do it maliciously, but really just, like they did a lot and point out what they did and start like, does it have to be about us. Colossians is a good verse to finish. And it says, This same gospel that was brought to you is growing and is bearing fruit all over the world, just as it has been growing among you since the day you heard and took interest in the truth of God's grace from a beloved fellow servant, E. Um, uh, It's this message of grace that stirs something, that grows something, that starts to take it somewhere else. It's God loving you, not in spite of your actions. There's nothing you can do to earn his love anymore. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any less. But it's, it's, it's that message, this equality, this love for all that stirs us into something more and grows something. And he says it's been growing all over the world because of this. And so together then, during Lent, how do we tap into that? Where am I inspired to be more of Jesus? Not forced to, not sad that I'm not, but where is there something on the inside of me that does it? As a community, if we're living this out, it, it, there's something vibrant about that. That is, when someone new shows up, they'll see life here. And it's not because, I, I don't know why you think people come to church or find it interesting, but this, you can, you can feel it among a people if we're living this way. And it's, it's tangible. It's something to be a part of. Um, let's pray and then go into discussion together. Jesus, we just ask for your help in this. Uh, this season of Lent that we are choosing to Uh, wrestle, grow, question, look into those who you suffered for. We just ask that each and every one of us, you spark something little on the inside or you remind us of a spark that was already there and you lead us towards living just a little more different. We yield our lives. We offer ourselves up. We want to be your hands and feet. We want to be this love in truth, in action to the people around us to usher in your kingdom of heaven already here not just the hope of something outside of here, to bring hope among us now. We just thank you that we'll be true and honest as we dialogue and discuss and celebrate this together. In Jesus' name, amen.